Hi guys, this is Real Talk with Tracy. What am I going to talk about today? I am going to talk about my life's experience having OCD, also known as obsessive compulsive disorder. And looking back on my childhood, there was always superstitions, there was things that I did that really pointed to kind of being chronically kind of anxious and worried. Um, I remember I had this little lamp in my room, it looked like a genie lamp, and I would think to myself, okay, when I turn off the lights, if I could run and touch the lamp and get in bed within three seconds, nothing bad will happen. But if I can't make it in three seconds, something bad will happen. So I would be like frantically turning off the light, running to the lamp, getting in bed. Um, things like that. Things like pulling out your hair, um, kind of picking at a bump on your leg until you look down and, oh, I'm bleeding. Holy shit. I didn't even realize I'm doing that. So OCD, which involves a lot of anxiety. A lot of people you hear that have OCD do things like they constantly check doorknobs. Um, they constantly check the stove because they think they left the stove on. My OCD was more in my head. Although, before I would go to meetings at work, the night before, when my, OC- when my OCD started getting bad, which was after the 94 earthquake in Northridge, California, um, it really shook me to the core, and my OCD really popped up and bloomed into a full-on gigantic tree from a little bush or whatever it was uh, my whole life. It grew and grew and grew and almost ate me up alive. It was horrible. Um, but I would, I would obsess over just the smallest things. But going to a meeting, the pressure of knowing that I had to be up the next day to go drive two hours, talk in front of 80 or 90 people, was overwhelming when before the earthquake, it really wasn't. So all of a sudden, I was getting really worried. So I would look at my clock, I would set my alarm, and then I would check it. And then what if I didn't set it right? So I'd set it again. And then I would check it. And then I would set it again. And then I would check it. And then I still had anxiety. So it's like, crap. I would set it again and I would check it. And then I, and this is like a lot of times I was at a hotel. So um, then I would get a wake up call and then I would call down to the front desk and pretend like I never called for the wake up call because I don't want them to think I'm weird. So I'd call and say, oh, you know, I'm so tired. I'm not sure if I called for the wake up call or not. Can you double check and make sure I got the wake up call? And they said, oh, yeah, no, 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 you called before. And I said, oh, you know, I've just had such a long day. I forgot. And then I would be there a lot of times at a hotel because I was working for an international 
beauty company and I had to do a lot of public speaking and training and ride-alongs and a lot of driving and, you know, da-da-da-da, I had to be superwoman all the time. It was a lot of pressure after my OCD got bad. And I remember checking into some rooms and hearing the air conditioning, just like a low, dull buzzing And I would lay there and I would listen to this buzzing all night long. And I would start to think to myself, oh my God, what if I don't sleep? How am I going to do my job tomorrow? Okay, I'm going to sleep, right? And then I'd be like bargaining with God. Can you please let me sleep? I'm worried about not sleeping. What if I don't sleep? Um, I'm going to, you know, F everything up. I'm going to fail. I'm going to look stupid. Um, people are going to know I'm a loser. Um, and I would just do this to myself and like the smallest little sound, like dropping little water droplets in the bathroom because there's a leaky faucet and the little drop, drop, drop of the water. It would drive me crazy. When normally, if you didn't have OCD, you would just go to sleep. You wouldn't care. You know, there could be people partying in the next room and you'd kind of wake up, stick in the earplugs and go, oh, whatever. But I started having this chronic worry. And the chronic worry was really about not being able to sleep not being able to do my job and it came, it became like a self-fulfilling um, thing to where the more I worried about not being able to sleep and not being able to relax and not being able to, you know, have a normal life, the, the, the more crazy my life became and the more downward spiral I was in. And I would do like, before I went to bed, I would check if I was home. I would check the oven. I would just look. Okay. And sometimes I would touch the knobs maybe like one time. Like if I was cooking that night, just to make sure. And then I would look at the doors. I would like make sure the doors were locked. Um, I was left alone a lot when I was 12. My mother and father, who were really my aunt and uncle, had had, uh, broken up. And he had left and she had a nervous breakdown. She was really delusional. She started drinking and doing Percodan and cocaine and running with this crazy group. And she would leave me sometimes at home for a week at a time. So here I was a 12 year old little girl living in this huge house. Well, it it really wasn't that big, but to me it was because I was 12. So it was this house in Malibu Lake. It was up on a hill. It was just a lot of glass. There was no curtains. You could see the lake even at night. And it was kind of spooky when nobody was home with me. And we were the first house at the lake and people used to come up and knock on the door because they wanted to get the gate pass to get um, inside this private road that was down below us. And there was no window treatments really on any of the windows. So 
I would go into my mother's back bedroom, which was in the back of the house. And again, there's a huge window and all you can see out there is like shrubs and bushes and trees, but there's no coverings on the window. And I would just be a fucking wreck. I would be just crumpled up in one of her comforters in the corner of the room. And I would pretend to be a piece of furniture. So I would think, okay, this is the plan. If somebody comes in to hurt us, to hurt me, I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be like a piece of furniture. Nobody's going to see me. I'm going to be crumpled up in this comforter in the corner of her bedroom. And so nobody will hurt me. And, you know, she was very promiscuous. She had guys coming over when she wasn't home asking, you know, if she's home, do you want to open the door? Can you let me in? No, I'm not going to do that. So there was a lot of concern. There was a lot of anxiety. There was a lot of fear. There was a lot of feeling unsafe. Um, so it was really bad. And, um... I think a lot of these things contributed to my OCD. Um, What I want to say is I started getting very suicidal because I couldn't control the thinking. I couldn't relax my mind. I couldn't feel so, you know, so-called like a normal person. I would chronically worry about things and I couldn't let it go or I'd have to make a decision where before it was very easy to make a decision. Now it was like, okay, I have to go on a trip, but I have to leave the dog with somebody while I'm away on this trip. What if I leave it with somebody and they open the door and the dog runs out and gets hit by a car? What if they forget to feed the dog? What if the dog gets attacked by another dog? And I would do this, what if, what if this, what if that? Should I do this, should I do that? And I would get caught up, um, probably just whoever's listening to this is feeling as annoyed as hell as I am telling you. I would get caught up in this circle of thoughts and, and feelings and stress And it was really hard to jump off that merry-go-round. It was super, super hard. So after I started becoming very suicidal after the 94 earthquake, and I do have also a podcast on suicidal thinking because I think it could help a lot of people because obviously I'm still here. Na, 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 na. Um, I made it through, so I'm still here. But, um... I was hanging on by a thread. I really was. I had to go see a psychiatrist and I got put on antidepressants and he had to try me out on like two or three different ones before they found one I could tolerate. Um, Antidepressants are a trade-off. So with the antidepressants, it took... I would say a few weeks to really start kicking in and then they have to slowly raise the milligrams. 
So I remember in the beginning, oh my God, I was so thirsty all the time. I was like a deer at a salt lick. I was constantly dry mouth. No matter how much I drank, it wasn't enough liquid. I was in a dreamy state. I felt like very floaty, very dreamy. Um, I was trying to do my job. I'd be driving around and I just didn't feel, I felt like I was in a dream. Everything felt surreal. Um, when I saw like maybe leaves blowing in the wind, it almost looked like they were (laughs) kind of stopping midstream, like a strobe light. And it was really hard, but I, I finally stayed on Prozac and I got to the point where the loud volume of the OCD chatter that was in my head got turned down to like a quiet whisper. Sometimes not there at all. Boy, isn't that a blessing. And other times I would have flare-ups. But I would say that Prozac probably saved me. It probably saved me from killing myself. Um, Just because I couldn't take it anymore. I think one of the biggest things in life that's the most important to me is peace of mind. And it's one of the most important things because there's been so many times I haven't had peace of mind. And so peace of mind is very important. So if any of you are listening and you're holding back from trying an antidepressant, do yourself a favor, trust your psychiatrist and try to get help for yourself because it could really, OCD could really ruin your life, you know, um, and along with that is depression, uh, a lot of mood swings, I would be driving and something would tell me on the freeway, something in my head would be like, you have to get off this ramp now. And I wasn't even near my house. It's like, if you don't get off this ramp now, you're going to have a terrible car crash or something terrible is going to happen. And I would give into these thoughts and they were baseless. I would have, I had this stupid thought, you know, when you go to a public bathroom And you put down those little sombreros. I call them sombreros. They're like little um, paper things that go on the top of the toilet to try to like protect yourself from germs. Okay, I had this thought that after I went to the bathroom in a public place and I flushed the toilet, if the little paper sombrero didn't go all the ways down the drain in the toilet, something bad was going to happen to me. And so this is how OCD can become very controlling. And let's face it, if you have high blood pressure, if you have a thyroid problem, like I also have, if you have heart disease, like I also have, whoopee, lucky me. Um, there's all sorts of medications for these problems, right? And usually when it's a medical problem, we're like, oh, okay, so I have high, I mean, I don't have high blood pressure, but let's just pretend I did. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to take this pill because I don't want to have a stroke or a heart attack and drop dead. 
Um, so I'm going to take this pill and I'm going to make all the lifestyle changes I can to try to be better. But when people have OCD, for some reason, they want to keep it a secret. They don't want anybody to know. Um, people that are hoarding another form of OCD, people that are pulling out their hair, another form of OCD. I remember when I was a kid in school, I think it was about sixth grade. I had a teacher, her name was Mrs. Malloy. Oh my God. I hadn't thought about her in years. Okay. So she was a short blonde woman. Um, and she would get really mad at people and take them into the corner with her ruler and she would make them bend over and grab their ankles and she would smack the shit out of them. And I was really afraid of her. And when I saw this happening, I went back and I told my mother about her and I wound up getting her fired. But I remember there was a girl in school that sat at the desk next to me that had picked out all of her eyelashes. When I say all of her eyelashes, the girl had no eyelashes, none at all. I don't know if you've ever seen what that looks like. It's horrible. So she had no eyelashes on the top and no eyelashes on the bottom. And she was a chronic hair puller and picker um, because probably being in the situation with this teacher, um, coupled on top of whatever mental health issues she already had. So... Um, I'm making these podcasts really for you who is listening and for me because it's cathartic to really share with you and be honest. Um, We have to face things in life and we can either try to push them down and pretend that everything's great and terrific and we're perfect and you know, that's other people. Other people have OCD, those losers. No guys... Um, I rather be real and I call my podcast kind of the no bullshit zones because I'm trying to be helpful and I'm trying to be real and I want to let you know it's okay. None of us are perfect. I came from a family where there was a lot of mental illness, especially on my mother's side and I inherited some of that. Um, do I deserve it? No. Do I want it? No. Can I ignore it? No, I can't. So I went and got help and I'm much better now. Um, I've had an incredible marriage, which I continue to be in with an amazing man who, um, is very understanding and we've been together 37 years and he went through all this with me guys. I mean, I don't even realize if he knows how bad it was at times, you know, where I just thought about, no, I'll just drive off this bridge. <laughs> you know, I just can't take the pressure. I'm just going to drive off this bridge. And then I would think, oh, but we're having pizza tonight. Okay. So I'm not going to drive off the bridge. The pizza outweighed my feelings of driving off the bridge. So I'll give it a little more time and see if the, these feelings pass and they, and they do pass. Those feelings do pass. So what I want to tell you too about OCD is I am the best researcher of everything. Even when I got OCD, I read four or five books on OCD because I have OCD, right? Kind of funny. Um, When I throw myself into a project or something like for work or for people or I become an advocate for somebody I know... Maybe they're going through cancer treatments 
or like my husband, he had a tumor. That's going to be a whole other podcast I'm going to do. I had to fight the insurance companies. Um, I would stay up all night and be on their social media. And I made sure that they paid their bills and they did what he needed for himself. And because I'm kind of very OCD and I'm very detail oriented and I'm very much a go-getter and a digger and I kind of dig and dig and dig and dig till I find those little bones I need to find or those little stones I need to turn over. That could be a positive. Um, I think I was really good at my job for a long time because I was so detail-oriented. I was so kind of competitive and driven and because I was OCD. But when OCD gets too much, it's like you're drowning. So, anyways, I want to wish all of you a lot of love and support. I want to thank you, whoever you are, for listening to my podcast. I am doing these to be able to help you and other people to know it's okay. It's okay you're not perfect. It's okay. You can still find someone to love you. You can probably still be a good parent. Um, We didn't have kids because I was too paranoid about being like my mom. But it's okay. Nobody's perfect. Don't be embarrassed. It's okay if you have OCD. People can make fun of it, which is really sad. But try the medication because it's a lifesaver, guys. Anyways, I wish all of you... Love, safety, thank you for visiting my podcast, and I hope you share it with your friends and family, and then also listen to some of my other podcasts, which are all different. I have podcasts on quitting smoking, I have podcasts on stories about my grandma, stories about when I worked for L'Oreal for almost two decades, I have some interesting stories that have nothing to do with mental illness. But um, just wanted to share this with you too, guys. Stay safe. Bye-bye. You've been listening to... Hi, guys. Real Talk with Tracy.